to another episode of Black Girl Manifest Podcast. This is Anika. And Brittany. And we are back. Yes, with another week, job. How are you? I'm good. How have you been? I'm good. Um, he finally went back to work. Ooh, can we get some... Brr, 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 brr? <laughs> He's back at work, Lord. Oh, Lord. I hope he can't hear me. A break. A relief. A celebration. <laughs> but yeah, how are you? I've been good. Um, like I said last episode, I mentioned trying to lean into creativity. So I finally got some of those things and I can start to um, be more creative. But I am, I think we've reached to the point where it's like, I need to be somewhere else other than this house. Mm. Um, soon come, hopefully, but I'm also not rushing out to the beauty supply store or the you know, get my hair and my nails done, but still, I need a break, you know, so, but other than that, I've been good, you know, everything is, everything is on the up and up. That's it. Well, guys, this week, we have another special guest, and I'm very excited to have her on, so I don't know about y'all, well, I Mika, I don't know about you, but, like, I have a love and hate relationship with the internet, like, it gets on my nerves sometimes, but I love the people, like, I meet on the internet. Uh, and I've made some really strong connections with people on the internet. And so this week we're having on Andrea, and she is the creator of Womb, Womb Care Woman. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. You are. Okay. Um, she is an educator. She's a doula. She is a physical healer. She reads tarot cards, um, spiritual advisor. And we kind of bonded over gardening, my garden and my husband's truck. <laughs> And she actually has a, a community garden that she shares with other people. And I just thought it was so interesting. And so I love it so much. So everybody, welcome Andrea to the podcast. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm amazing. How are y'all? Good. We're doing good. Good. Yeah. So we just wanted to chit chat with you this morning. And thank you so much for joining us and coming on. But we just wanted to talk about, you know, you in general. So, like I said, I know that you're an educator. So how is this whole pandemic affecting and affecting you with your babies and your mental space right now? Oh, those are some great questions. It's such a strange time for us. As early childhood educators, we're used to being so physical with our kids, like, hugging them every day and like just really being um, loving with them, seeing them and their parents and interacting every single day, multiple times a day. So to like switch and be virtual, it's been really challenging for me to deal with. Um, just actually uh, last week was parent, not parent, uh, teacher appreciation week. So that was really challenging for a lot of educators because we see our babies via um, virtual world and that's been hard. Um, really like switching over to sending things and activities online has been challenging too. Um, really getting documentation and things like that has been challenging for me and my co-teacher right now. And um, it's just like professionally, it's been really something. Um, personally, it's been really hard to not have 
to not be able to hug them and hold them and like high five and like so much of my life as a child, early childhood educator relies on like physical touch and quality time, like real face-to-face, um, physical touch, quality time. So it's been real challenging. I want to talk about, um, Nika, I want to talk about, you know, how black people don't really have the means a lot of times, but I'm, Andrea, I'm, I'm curious to know, like, have some of your children fallen behind because they don't have the access they need to like their schoolwork or like I know like my children's school gave them laptops at the beginning of the year but I know that our kids our schools don't have the funding for that so have you noticed any any changes yeah most definitely I know the kids that um, have been impacted financially we've been like really reaching out to them making sure they have diapers making sure they have food um, making sure we do like food drives for them. Um, and most, I think pretty much all our parents have smartphones. So, so they have access to like, we've been trying to make sure they have internet as well, making sure they have Wi-Fi so that they can access the world, the virtual world and us as well. Um, but it has been, there, there are definitely kids in our classroom who are most financially impacted by the pandemic. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's what's up. You say early childhood education, is that before pre-K? Like, can you- Yes. Well, um, that's for me, I actually, early childhood education is considered from infancy all the way up to second grade. Um... I actually am a toddler teacher, so I work with kiddos who are 12 months to 24 months. Oh, but yeah, okay. work in a garden, basically. Okay. You do work in a garden, you said? Uh, no. Oh, I, okay. I said that. <laughs> that kind of garden girl, the little kid. I was like, in a garden? <laughs> in the garden. We do work in the garden. <laughs> well, we did work in the garden when we had, we have a garden at our center, so. The kids love it. That is so awesome. I just, now I feel like, um, especially with this pandemic going on, and I know you said your kids are younger, but I've been noticing a lot of people saying like, well, school shouldn't provide internet and this and this and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like internet is so, it's a necessity. Because you have so much of your, like, so what if your children parents had to go to work and they didn't have any other way to do their schoolwork because they don't have the access to the smartphone like the internet is so more convenient than having to go to the library and library and check out books to you know look for this and then not only that like some libraries may not have the information you need so your parents have to cart you all around town like so I feel like the internet is super duper accessible but that's a different conversation for a different day it is I know for um, library stuff, you can download the app Hoopla, and you, with your library card, you can download books, movies, okay. um, as well, like Hoopla. Okay. That's what we have. I don't know if it works in different states, but in St. Louis, for sure, you can connect it to your, um, it's connected to your library. Really? So, mm-hmm. Thank you, you for sure. us that. You're welcome. Yeah, because I'm going to definitely look into that. Yeah. Hoopla. Yup. Okay, so we talked about you being a doula as well. Why did you become a doula? Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
I, okay, so the story goes, I actually, when I was 17, my oldest sister, who's about 18 years apart, uh, years older than me, we're like full on generation difference, um, was pregnant with my niece, uh, Liana, who's now like 19. She's like so amazing. And that summer that she was pregnant, I spent a lot of time with her, was making her balanced meals, massaging her feet, making sure she was comfortable, um, and just really kind of holding space for her. And it was exciting to me, like to caregive in that way, because I feel like I'm a natural care, caring human, nurturing human. And um, that kind of made an impact on my life. I didn't really know that I was doula-ing <laughs> before, you know, uh, during that time, but I was like straight up. And I kind of put that experience in the back of my mind. Then years later, I would say back in 2012, I dated um, a guy whose sister-in-law was a doula. She was a white doula, but um, I really started having desires of like helping black moms especially and the universe kind of sent me all sorts of people especially black women who were who were doulas like my best friend is a doula um i kept meeting i met uh my friend netta who is a childless doula just like me um my friend nicole teresa who's a doula in puerto rico just all sorts of black and brown doulas all of a sudden. And there's this amazing um, site here in St. Louis called Jama Birth Village. It's in Ferguson, Missouri. True, she's one of the, um, she's actually the first black midwives in Missouri. Oh, wow. And she did our trainings. Um, it was a four day extensive training. And then um, we have to do a birth afterwards and find a mentor. But I, there's just something about really honoring, caring, holding space for Black women that I've always had a heart for. And just life. I feel like as a Scorpio too, I'm pretty obsessed with like death and sex and rebirth and birth. So it was just really natural for me to become a birth doula. And I've just been on my way for real. It's just been dreamy and it's been powerful and it's been challenging, but it's been dope. <laughs> I recently um, assisted in my first birth in February and that was just life affirming. It was life changing. It was just so amazing. I'm just like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my damn life, <laughs> for the rest of my damn life. So that's amazing. I'm, I'm looking to go to school to be a doula, but like the Ooh. pandemic is kind to well not school but you know training um right. but this pandemic has kind of put everything on hold so i'm not certain on like when class will resume but wow <laughs> just to be able to watch somebody else give birth besides myself <laughs> listen i'm sure that um there's this site called dona d-o-n-a mm -hmm. i'm sure they do online trainings and stuff like that um yeah, you could try to do stuff online, do list training and um, birth education stuff. Okay, I will look into that. I will yeah. look into that. So, are there different types of doulas? Yes, they're like a lot. Um, there are 
uh, prenatal doulas, doulas that help women get pregnant. There are, of course, labor and birth doulas, so they help you during labor and um, while you're birthing as well. Like, they'll help you physically. Um, and part of the prenatal, too, is educational, like really trying to um, educate moms on what's happening to their bodies and educate them on um, their rights as a birthing human. Um, there is postpartum doula, so um, folks helping mamas um, after they give birth, whether it's like light housework, um, a nannying even, um, and um, there is end-of-life doulas too, people to help families um, of their loved one that's transitioning, so that could be um, helping them with ceremonies, memorials, funerals. There are also sex doulas too, like people to help kind of support folks, increase sexual desire and like really help them with their sex lives. There's also a loss uh, doula too, or um, women who have experienced miscarriages in the past. Um, who needs e emotional support during that time. There are also abortion doulas too, women to help, um, or men, folks to help um, folks who are experiencing abortions, like before in the, um, in the clinics and then after emotionally too. So there are a lot of doula, the word doula actually just means support um, in general. So it's a, I think it's a Greek word for like women's support. So, but support. I never knew that was, there were so many different types of doulas. I think when we think of the word doula and you know, when we think in terms of that, it, it's related to like a, the birthing process. I've even mm -hmm. heard about the postpartum doula afterwards, but kind of everything relating to being pregnant, giving birth and just a little maybe help afterwards, depending on, you know, what you want. So that's interesting to know. Oh yeah. Yeah, I had no idea that there was like a, you know, to help you before you even get pregnant. I had no idea. That's amazing. Yeah. Because there are, there are people who are struggling to get pregnant and need the support, you know. Yeah. So that that's amazing. So for those who don't know, can you explain like what the difference between a doula and a midwife is? Yes. Um, a doula provides educational, emotional, physical support during, um, I guess before, during and after um, someone's given birth. We offer like non-medical support. So we are not allowed to like catch babies um, or like even doing, uh, checking blood pressure and things like that. But we can, um, we can offer like comfort measures like to really help mamas and pregnant folks push and we can help stabilize them, help them focus on contractions and or waves. A midwife is trained to um, do a lot of medical stuff, like actually help the mom push, like actually touching the baby, helping them push out. They can check blood pressure. They can check your cervix. They do all the medical stuff. And we do the non-medical, emotional, physical support during, well, before, during, and after. So yeah, that's a good question. I love when folks ask that. 
<laughs> I love it because they're like, because, you know, when people make assumptions, it's strange. But I love that people care enough to really ask, what is the difference, you know? So thank you. You're welcome. Not a problem. In your lot, do you think it's important to, like, usually if, if, like, if I'm considering having a child, it's kind of like, okay, I know I would, would like to have a midwife and a doula versus, you know, the whole hospital situation. Um, but maybe some people can't afford both. Do you think it's important to have both if you can or like one or the other, or is it just a personal preference? That's a great question. I've never had, um, um, no one's ever asked me that. Um, I think that it's really important. A lot of moms, especially black moms are really moving more towards having midwives. I know as a doula, I really don't, I don't want money to be an issue, you know, for folks. It is a lot of money to hire both. It can be um, a midwife and a doula. So for me, um, and a lot of doulas, a lot of my homies, we believe that we don't want money to be um, deterrent. Mm -hmm. So a lot of folks are um, bartering amazing services um, in exchange for time and energy and but it would be great to have both it, it really would but one or the other is really important for sure um, I know that if someone can't afford if someone has a midwife but can't afford a doula um, as an extra expense they should probably hire them briefly like maybe for like um, five months in and then have maybe the midwife do the actual labor and birth and then maybe postpartum for a few weeks. Um, so kind of mix it up, mix and match it up in a way. So that's what I would say. And Brittany, I'm going to kind of steal your question here just because okay. I'm super curious about. Um, so we pretty much know, um, how it is, especially the climate nowadays for Black women in the hospital and how we're pretty much three times as likely to die from um, pregnancy-related complications. So when I'm thinking about, like, when I start my family, I definitely want to consider having a doula. Is that, could I look at that as somebody who else, somebody else who's an advocate for me in the the hospital if I choose to go that route? Is that like, you know, because Definitely. You know, That's what we're here we're here to advocate for our clients when they are unable to advocate for themselves. Yeah. Um, definitely. That's, that's really like, literally that's part of the support that we give as doulas. And, mm -hmm. and like, you know, having to intervene with, you know, if I'm telling the doctors, I'm feeling one way and they're like, Oh no, everything is fine. Cause just in my small circle, there are a, a number of women that I know that have told me that they were feeling one way during birth, but then they were ignored, which is, of course, all of them are black women. Exactly. And I don't have a lot of conversations with white women, so I can't say for sure, but I'm hearing mm -hmm. the same type of things like, you know, they're not listening. So with that being said, this is something that I've considered, but I also don't know. Um, with you being a doula, do you think it's I guess it just depends on everybody, but do you think an at-home birth is more safer if you have a normal, natural um, pregnancy and you're considering going that route versus the hospital or birthing center? Can you speak to that? Um, I've heard from other doulas and midwives 
if you are low risk, they say that you can't, you're able to birth at home. If you are higher risk, and I put that in quotes, um, that you should labor as much as you can at home. It's the state of like, just a lot of the hospital policies out here has been really outrageous. Um, Some hospitals have women birthing alone. Some, yeah, will not allow anyone in the birthing room. This is a pandemic, right? Yes. Is that that's yes. not including the the their male partner or their partner. Some don't. Some hospitals accept one, one person. Some ex- hospitals accept no people. Um, I know as a doula, like in this state, we definitely are offering um, over the phone, like virtual support, so that mamas and pregnant folks are not in those rooms, birthing alone. Um, that they're not birthing alone because they don't, it's, they need support. Right. That's just got to be so hard, like, as a first-time mom. Like, I cannot imagine being pregnant for the first time during this pandemic, and then I get to the hospital or wherever I'm going, and you tell me, oh, no, your husband can't come, or your mom can't come in here with you, your doula, your midwife, nobody can come in here. That's just got to be, like, so just mind-boggling. This, this is actually kind of scary, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it really is horrifying. And then um, maybe a few months ago, I was really thinking about doulas and midwives. We have such a great history. We've been through so much as a people, as women. And um, it's really important that we listen to our bodies and what our bodies are um, telling us. Back to Nikki, yeah what our bodies are telling us. Pre-pandemic, it was already traumatic. You know, people are not listening to black women, clearly, black and brown women, black and native women. Um, People are clearly not listening to us and that's why we're there to advocate um, for them. And um, I just, I'm really holding space for a lot of women who are birthing right now, a lot of folks that are birthing right now because it really is it's compounded our issues we've already had issues with um not being heard and not pe- people not believing us so now it's kind of compounded we really have to listen to our bodies and really find support in any way whether it's virtual virtual or through our friends to really help support us during during this time during this like really frightening time for real i'm glad that you put higher risk in quotation marks because um higher risk normally comes with a a dollar sign attached to it Mm -hmm. like i've know somebody who was considered higher risk for for what i would think would be no reason at all just because she was older you know um just and we're not too much further in age she i'm 33 and i think she was 35 okay and so just like so i I know things change in our bodies and but for somebody who had a baby before and it was fine you know it was a normal pregnancy now because of the age difference she's considered higher risk and i'm just 
and talking to her she was like you know i have had all these tests done i have to do this and i gotta do that and it's just like wow they're just really eating at your insurance in your pockets that's mm-hmm. that's amazing <laughs> that's mm-hmm. it's just it's crazy to me that's insane like and if you don't yeah. know that there's support out there it's you know what can you do exactly exactly <sighs> i had a friend who was um she had a baby before and the baby didn't make it. So of course, her the next pregnancy, which was at least 10 years after that, um, once she told them that piece of information, of course, they consider her high risk and they had to do like weekly shots to make sure she doesn't um, um, deliver early because I think she had preeclampsia at first. So I understand that. And she was um, in her 20s. And then so and then then the next baby after that seeing that as though everything was healthy on the you know the second child and everything you know her first live birth um they still classified it as high risk and still wanted her to do the shots and it was very painful to have to have somebody a nurse come over her house and kind of give her this really whatever the shot was it hurt when it was being administered and after so and you know she was telling me how expensive everything was and and i'm just I just, as somebody that does not have children, but I'm starting to become more aware of things than I feel like a lot of people are before they have kids. It's mm-hmm. kind of insensitive for me to say, oh, they are, eat, like Brittany said, eating at your insurance. You know, that fine line where she knows it, but she's also going through it. And I just find, I just found that to be just crazy. Like, you know, you, I don't think that you should have to go to a different, you know, a high risk doctor now that everything is fine, I would assume, but you know, and then they kind of scare you and make you feel like this is what you have to do. So, of course, any woman is going to want to do whatever they can do to protect the, you know, the best interest of their child. So that's just really crazy to me. It is crazy. I'm glad that you said that, Anika, like kind of scaring you. So can you tell us, Andrea, how like important it is to have like um, a birthing plan and somebody who's going to be there to advocate for you, even if, you know, you're in too much pain or you're just not thinking clearly? things always change. So you can create um, a birthing plan and it might go out the window, but at least you are prepared um, in some way. As a doula, it's really important for us to help folks know that their rights and know that this is their experience. You know, this is not the doctor's experience. This is your birthing experience. So you can create the atmosphere you want you can you can create um the people that you want in the room you can um decline or accept certain shots you actually have the right to um say no you could say no to every goddamn thing that they offer you you know (laughs) i think that (laughs) people um doctors and hospitals they really think that they know best and um of course they've got training and stuff like that but at the end of the day this is your body um this is your birthing experience this is your baby your life and um so you can through a birthing plan you can create every a positive birthing experience from everything like uh what kind of atmosphere you want in your birthing room, whether you want to do a birthing center, whether you want to do at home, um, who you want in that space, lighting even. Do you want people to whisper? Do you want them to talk? <laughs> you know, um, 
what kind of medicines or shots you want yourself to have or your baby to have. Um, That's a lot. I never even considered that you had all those options and that all that went on. Like, what kind of shots do you have? Do you? Because I've seen, you know, when that you have the baby, they kind of grab them and just put, do all the, you know, the things, whatever that they're doing. Now, a lot of people don't know that. I hell, I don't know what's really about to go on. So I'm kind of right. grateful that I'm in the space that I can do a little bit of research before that goes down. Because I, I mean, how else would you know? Most people just kind of, I'm having a baby, and then you know, you're faced with it at that point. So, and skin to skin. <laughs> you even have a choice as to like whether you want to clean the vernix off your baby you know want them to clean it off or not skin to skin immediately after birth they don't have to take your baby right then and there you know they can you can do skin to skin um there are all sorts of options all sorts of options that women have and rights that they have um, as a birthing person and part of that birthing plan is to kind of lay it out and part of my job as a doula is to like really um, inform them of their rights um, yeah before during after <laughs> that's amazing I'm glad that we talked about that because like I, I was young when I had my children so I didn't know I was younger when I had my first two children, so I didn't know. It was just like, okay, well, the doctor said let's do this, and the doctor said let's do that. I didn't know that, you know, I, was, I wasn't taught those things because my family weren't taught those things. Um, and after I had my youngest baby, I kind of know that, knew that those things were um, accessible, but I was trying to um, make it, palatable for my husband who had lost a baby before so I just wanted to kind of mm. make it um smooth for him but I do know that you know if we were to have another baby then a doula in a midwife that would be something that I would definitely consider um over <laughs> anything being in a hospital because it's just like all right you in and you out and it's just like so I just like I literally just had a whole person and now 12 hours later, you kind of just kicking me out. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. so, so I hear that. Next time I'll just make it more, I'll make it palatable for me. <laughs> right, right. It's your yeah. turn. It's your turn, Brittany. Yeah. It's your birth. It's your birth, really. Okay. Are there, um, I want to ask one last doula question, but okay. I, struggle, I, I struggle with postpartum. Are there doulas that help mothers? Um, was postpartum depression as well? Yeah. Um, there are, I know um, certain postpartum doulas, they actually help up to like six weeks, but I think it's really up to the doula. It really is because um, they say that a woman or a birthing person can go through postpartum depression and kind of have it linger for up to a year. So I think it would be best for a postpartum doula to really watch, look for the signs and like really help support that mom throughout the whole year, even more, um, even more if, you know, if that, if that's necessary too. I've met a mom who was struggling with postpartum for like almost two. So it's, it's possible. Yeah, there definitely are doulas out here really helping moms and people forget about that. Uh, postpartum they call it the fourth trimester yeah. 
but it's it's so necessary. It's a, um, it was a really struggly time for me. And like even as I still talk about it now, like my eyes kind of well up because um, yeah. for me it was like more of a brain thing. Like I had these two other kids, and I didn't have any problems with them. But here I am having a another child 10 years later and it's just like why am I crying all the time why am I so um irritated like I didn't have the the thoughts of harming him or harming myself it was just more of like um me feeling like I really didn't have a lot of support but mm -hmm. and, I, and truly I you know I did have support with um anybody coming to get him or you know I got it don't worry about this but I just feel like it was more the focus was on it's hard to be pregnant and carry a child for nine, ten months, and then as soon as you have the baby, the focus goes off to the baby. Nobody really, you know, pays attention to the mom anymore. And it's just like mm -hmm. all these hormones, all these things. Um, your body is just so different. Your mind is different, and it's just sometimes now he's three. He's he'll be four next week, and sometimes I just kind of still struggle with those thoughts and those feelings, like damn, I was really out here by myself, but not really, if that makes sense. No, it does. We really have to focus. Like, there is a major focus on the, the child a lot, and the the spotlight really does start moving away from the mama, and, like, we can't forget the mama through all of this, you know. I think it's really important for doulas to really um tune in to tune into what mama needs what what mama wants what that birth, birthing parent needs as far as emotionally physically like how to pamper them because this is such a sacred time still like you're literally becoming a new person you know and as you are trying to care for another person so i think there are a lot of postpartums out here that are really kind of focusing on honoring the mom honoring the new person that's birthed a new person just with foods with you know any kind of fun games that they like to do um rituals even that really help pamper and support and honor the mom during that time that's really important yeah i'm sorry you experienced that too i'm so sorry oh well thank you <laughs> thank you very much <clears throat> so let's talk about spiritual spiritual connections okay. you and i talked and i noticed that of course you are a buddhist and we talked about that a, a little bit um but i noticed that you speak a lot about your spiritual connectors connections with your ancestors yeah. how do you align the two and how are the practices different from each other okay um <laughs> they actually they actually they align they all they're all me okay that's how they align because okay. all what i believe um i as a like as a person who really practices um, buddhism i also practice a lot of other things that are connected connected to ancestry work buddhism buddhists actually do connect to ancestries uh their ancestors in a way there is a ritual or a ceremony that they do every hundred years or sorry every hundred days after a person's past there's like food and um candles and like an offering to like really support 
that ancestor on their transition um, <laughs> into like um, into their wherever their afterlife. Um, so that's that. I know that as a Black American woman, I have altars that celebrate my grandmother, who I loved two pieces, my paternal grandmother, who died when I was eight, um, who I just always have felt connected to. So um, I actually am building an altar for my dad, who passed about three years ago. His his mother and him, they're kind of, their altars are near each other. I um, really am into, of course, as a Buddhist, mindful meditation. That's really important to me to ground, to kind of detach, to restore and recenter my body. Um, I also take a lot of, I really believe in a lot of like matriarchal moon traditions. So I'll do like um clearing statements on the full moon and like um affirmations on the new moon because i believe that during the new moon you can create um intentions and goals and things like that and on the full moon you kind of clear out all the things that are holding you down from from uh, manifesting those intentions uh, i also really I really love, um, let's see, that's mindful meditation. All of those things, I feel like they're all connected because they all align because they're in me. They all resonate with me. Um, when I decided I wanted to become a Buddhist, I was talking to my friend Leonora, who um, her and um her wife his sorry her husband sam they like really had a great influence on me and oh and they made me feel like when you're buddhist you can be anything you can be christian and buddhist you can be you know a spiritualist and buddhist there's certain things because buddhism like a lot of spiritual practices and religions are very patriarchal and I knew that that didn't really resonate with me. So I take what I love and what feels right to me, chanting, um, you know, having the right speech, the right action, like a lot of the Eightfold Paths and ideas and concepts of Buddhism, I take those with me. And then I, the ones that don't resonate with me, I just, they kind of fall by the wayside. And I feel like as a Black woman, like that's really dope to be able to like follow matriarchal religion and follow Buddhism and like honor my ancestors like and do all of these really amazing spiritual practices um, all at once and like really be secure in that and like reject patriarchy too. <laughs> patriarchy too, and that really like, it's all in me, you know, and I can't really separate any of that, but it all makes me whole, you know? Right. So you mentioned your ancestors. You do a lot of um, work, and that's I think um, not so much related to Buddhism, but I know they have something for that. Um, how did you get into that? And like, because I think everybody, like I know Brittany has her grandmother. She was really close to that passed, and I have two grandmothers and a, and my dad. And it's sometimes you know you think about them, but it's like what what do we really do here to kind of their memory or just to kind of feel somewhat connected because we're kind of like I mean 
every a lot of us were raised in a you know religion where well you know they're waiting on um judgment day or something like is that just it what can we do like, i know you said you did the altars i thought that was a great idea i've never heard you know i've seen them do it in the like you know beauty um nail shops and stuff and i'm like why right. do i have friends in here um, <laughs> but yeah could you speak more on that because i mean i i think we all want to feel connected or some type of you know something to somebody who has went on is that just it it's one of my um first jobs that i really loved i was working at an art gallery here in st louis called gallery visio we had an exhibit um for the day of the dead mm. so Day of the Dead is a celebration of ancestors for a lot of Latinx um, folks. And as a, an office manager, I learned a lot about, from the artists there. Um, actually, that's where I met my best friend, um, Eth, who's also an artist, most of my friends are. And I learned that, how to create altars to really honor my ancestors. So for my granny, I have her name, I have a kufi hat that she owned before, shortly before she died. Um, I have um, just quotes that I really feel like really fit her. Um, my knitting, um, needles, yarn, uh, money even, because I really wanna heal my um, ancestors' relationship to money. I have like crystals, like selenite really helps cut cords, um, just to heal whatever issue she had on earth. I have salt and water, water just in case she's like dehydrated and salt to kind of just cleanse, cleanse the area around her. So I just pick things that I, that I think she loved. One time I made sweet potato pie cause my granny made sweet potato pie and I put it on my altar for like 24 hours. I was real nervous. But um, just to honor her, it's to, gosh, because like as Black folks, we have to understand that we really are not alone. Like we have these people that were of our blood and, and not of our blood who were like here to support us through this pandemic even, you know, to just support us in all of our lives and what we do. So um, creating like just altars really with things that they love, things that they like, things that help them work out their issues <laughs> that they had here on earth, um, someone's favorite drink, someone's favorite food, um, poetry, notes. I even have a note from my granny just to continue to protect me. And like, that's always a space I can go to when I'm ever upset or I need some answers or I need to get grounded or I need to like, um, <clears throat> just get centered and get clear about a lot of things that are going on because our their ancestors are the key. They, they know a lot more than we do and they've lived through a lot more than we have. So um, I think altars are like the best thing. And I feel like a lot of, not just um, Latinx folks, but like folks in the Caribbean, like folks from the Dominican Republic, like is black and brown, um, culture for us to create altars so and i i'm empowered by it i really am i, I think <laughs> i'm glad you brought up altars because um i've been researching like how to honor my grandmother in the best way possible and like um making an altar but one thing i did was i, I really overcomplicated it and i've 
learning, and I'm glad that you brought this up, like keeping it simple is the best. And one night I left out like a glass of water and the next morning, like the water, literally like the water was almost gone. And I was like, this ain't no motherfucking <laughs> water. What is she? She ain't drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tell me about that. That's funny. I got scared. I was like, this ain't no, this is not evaporating. Like, she drank it. Like, oh my God, she's listening. She can hear me. (laughs) So, if you would have woke up and and that sweet potato pie had a slice missing, and Lord have mercy. I I um I made her one slice. Yeah, had the dinner something like that. Be like, Lord, I know, I know, I know she's here. Well, I mean, I really do know she's here, but that would have been something. Oh yeah, that's hilarious, Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Okay, so we bonded over gardening, and you actually gave me the idea to start making oils for my yeah. spiritual and love bath. So, like, uh, I got my roses and put my oil in them. Mm-hmm. And it made me feel so much better after I took my bath. Like, I put a couple drops in there. Okay. Um, can you tell me how your spirituality connects with the work that you do? Like, as a teacher, as a, a spiritual mm-hmm. advisor, as a doula? Mm-hmm. How, does, how does all that connect? Okay. Um, let's see. I know right now, as a as an educator, I'm really struggling to really find where spirituality fits. I'm really trying to lesson plan based on uh, based on like where the spirit hits me, you know, and, and what this child or these children need to know. I'm really still trying to find a balance. I know that with um, my tutoring business, I definitely want to educate kids based on their astrological makeup and their learning styles and and their um, interests. And I feel like that's the Lord's work. That like that's really what needs to happen to be um, student centered. And to me, that feels natural and very like spiritual, spiritually connected lesson plan <laughs> in a way I know for um dueling is a do doula ing actually it's close spirituality is so in there it's in there I think a lot about my mother and her birthing story with me <laughs> and my grandmother's birthing story like and my great-grandmother's birthing story and like how black women are really connected through our wombs and like the good, the bad, the ugly, the trauma, <laughs> all the trauma. Um, just by being a doula, I feel like I'm literally killing generational curses through this work. And that's where that spirituality lies there. Um, as a Reiki, <laughs> as a Reiki practitioner and a tarot reader, of course, the spirit is always with me, <laughs> pulling them cards, like really using the energy of the ground and the earth to like move Kundalini energy up um, and help heal just certain things. So spirit is always in that work, always. And as a knitter, 
my grandmother, my paternal grandmother, who I made the altar for, she knit when she was younger, when she was here on earth. She actually is a master quilter. Oh, wow. So um, a part of my connecting to her, a part of my ancestry work um, is knitting. And I feel closer to her in that way. And it's just amazing. My grandmother, she created so much for people. She created quilts. She even gardened too. To me, gardening is ancestry work too. And she gave all of her veggies away and she gave all her quilts away. She just created. And um, I feel like the spirit of my grandmother, every time I, I create something for a black or brown person, and it's amazing. It's just a good feeling. It's life affirming for real and so pretty much spirituality like permeates throughout my whole work life and my personal life of course so that's that yeah okay could you explain what reiki work is um i just got some tarot cards so i'm very very interested in how to work them but i'm also interested in in reiki could you explain what it is um, Reiki is known as energy healing. Um, it can be done distantly or in person. So um, the Reiki healing actually, it helps um, heal. Just some people believe that there are energy centers in our bodies called chakras. And you can use, as practitioners, we use the energy from the ground and the energy from um, the sky to pinpoint whatever that person needs, whatever intention they have, whatever ailment they're trying to banish. Um, we can pinpoint different chakra areas to like heal those energy centers that are off or not balanced. Um, so, um, I really miss doing it in person, but it still works um, distantly too. So, but it's just a means to to heal. You can heal physical stuff too. Um, physical, it could be emotional. It could be chakra based. It could be pretty much anything. But using just the energy from the ground in the sky to like really pinpoint those chakras That's to cool. heal. That's so interesting. I I, I want to try it. I want to get it done. <laughs> right, that's what I was gonna say. So is that like by you pinpoint those where they need, you know, um, the energy centers that need work? Do you pinpoint by just asking a series of questions? Yes. Mm -hmm. Based on their intention um, that they give me. Um, so say a person needs, I don't know, maybe a person needs more confidence and you know, they're applying for a job and they need more confidence. I would really work with their um, solar plexus chakra. Like I would really focus a lot of the healing on that. Your solar plexus actually governs your willpower, your confidence, your sense of self. Um, so I would really like in a session like that, I would ask them to like create an intention. Like, you know, I will feel confident in X, Y, and Z. Um, and I would tell them to really focus on the color yellow because the solar plexus energy is, um, we know that yellow kind of rules the solar plexus energy and the solar plexus actually is right above your navel. 
that's where that energy is stored, your willpower, you know, your drive, your confidence. So I would tell them, eat yellow things. There are meditations that one can do online to like strengthen and balance chakras too. So I would help like kind of guide them in that direction. Okay. That's very interesting. I'm so glad we had this talk with you. It's It's been Me very too. enlightening and helpful yes therapeutic. Oh. i will say that so nika do you have any more questions um i do not think i think she's answered in a roundabout way everything that i had except okay. for yes yeah okay so now we're going to move on to our rapid fire questions <laughs> nika do you want to go first sure okay so i'm pretty sure you know how rapid fire works you just kind of answer them as quickly as you can okay yep so the first one, name one thing on your bucket list. Hmm. Oh, shoot. Um, what is on my bucket list? To become a burlesque dancer. Oh, it's on my oh come on, girl. <laughs> it is. Let me go to the show with you. I want to I go. <laughs> okay. What social, what social stigma does society need to get over? Hmm that monogamy works for everyone oh yeah that is snatch my wig off okay <laughs> what famous person would you like to be bffs with oh my goodness Ooh. oh my goodness Issa ray oh yeah that's Ooh, a good yes. one that's the best one. Oh my so amazing okay what's the best compliment you have ever received Probably something around my spirit is beautiful. Yeah. It is. It really is. Thank you. It definitely is. <laughs> it really is. Okay. And my last black ass question that I have to ask because I like food. Hamburger, cheeseburger, or pizza. One has to go. So you hamburger or pizza type of girl. Hamburgers. Has to go? Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you alone, Brittany. You alone. Everybody likes pizza, bro. I don't. Okay. I, we eat pizza so much around here. Lord have mercy. Oh, I can do that. <laughs> okay. So I have a black ass question that I like to ask too, and it has surrounding food. Do you know what Rotel is? Is it like the salsa? Rotel? The yeah. salsa? Like. Like you, it's like cheese and tomatoes and okay, so one has to go: hot wings or rotel. Oh my lord, rotel is out. <laughs> that's, that's, come on, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can keep my cheese and uh, uh, meat crumbles. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, what's one thing that annoys you the most? Rude people. Ooh, ooh. Tell them and they don't say anything. It's like that is the most that's the rudest. That's really annoying. Yes, it is. Okay. What's your favorite crystal? The one that's showing up right now is um rose quartz. 
because I'm wearing pink. I just, I love me some just heart chakra energy. I love it. Okay. And the spirit of tonight's versus battle, Jill Scott or Eric Badu? Yes. Eve, I do all the way. Yes. I'm pretty because she's a water sign so am i so i've been loving jill way before <laughs> even though you know jill's cool but eve i do for real all day yeah <laughs> as soon as i as soon as we get done i'll be turning on my air if i do and cleaning all day until and see uh, it's time um what is your favorite song and how does it make you feel hmm uh, I can tell you my favorite song now. Anything by the alternative R&B group King. Have you heard of them before? No. They're amazing. Their music makes me feel like I'm just floating in like this bliss. But you should check them out. King, K-I-N-G. And it's like all in caps. Okay. So what's the last spontaneous thing that you have done? Oh, yeah. Uh. I still don't know. <laughs> um, what is it? Oh, mm, cause let's see. Oh, probably something for a friend. Um, let's see. Through a random baby shower, <laughs> baby shower for a client of mine. That was really like an impromptu. Okay. Okay. Uh, like planned it. So tell everybody where they can find you on social medias and your website and everything, and we can tag you in the description. Cool. Um, you can find me at um, my website at wombcarewoman.com. That's um, W-O-M-X-N.com. And you can email me too at Andrea at wombcarewoman.com as well. So yeah, I'm on Instagram and the Facebook and <laughs> Twitter now and Pinterest. So find me with that name on all platforms. <laughs> Yeah. thank you so much for joining us like we really enjoyed having you on it was very therapeutic like your spirit is just so calm and enlightening and delightful like I, thank you so much for joining us yes before this my household was turned up and i feel like <laughs> i sense of calmness and just feeling good getting off of this so i'm i'm glad to have you on so that was really fun yes thanks for the invite y'all give me energy too i'm excited oh, thank you so much thank you thank you okay guys well until next week we'll see you again on uh, or <laughs> see you again you'll hear from us <laughs> bye guys bye, bye.